What's up, everyone? I am back, baby. The Chaos Ball Podcast is back after a brief little hiatus, little playoff hangover, you could say. We're back. I'm back. It's just me. How's everyone doing? I hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning into the show right now. And what what a season of baseball we just had. I did not release an episode after any of our playoff series like I was doing it during the year. Um, it's going to be a little bit different of an episode. I don't really have an agenda. I'm going to talk off the cuff straight from my soul about kind of a season in review, a recap of the playoffs of of this this year of baseball. Um, so I'm not going to go nitty gritty, break down every playoff game. You don't really need you don't you don't need that. Um, I'm sure, like me, you watch every moment of every playoff game if you could. If uh, like me, you were at work for the game on Friday or like the the midday games, you at least followed every pitch somehow, right? Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't really. I don't feel the need or the want to really break down um, game by game. So it's going to be a little bit different of an episode, just kind of talking, um, talking to you, being vulnerable about what this season meant to me as a fan, uh, and going forward into the off season. Um, and this is going to come out pre-World Series or pre-World Series ending. And I just want to say, go Phillies, go Phillies, because. Fuck the Astros and everything that they stand for. Uh, now that that's out of the way, let's get into it. What happened? What happened in the Mariners' playoffs? Well, we made the playoffs. That's huge. What a time. What a time to be alive. We broke the playoff drought in spectacular fashion. And uh, we went up, went up north in the wild card to go play those Toronto Blue Jays. And let me just say how unexpectedly nervous I was during every moment of every one of these playoff games. Uh, I, I had watched, I've watched playoff baseball every year for a long time now. And I get nervous watching playoff baseball for other teams. Uh, and I, I was not prepared for how nervous I was going to be watching my, our Seattle Mariners play in a playoff series. And I loved it and hated every, I loved and hated every moment of this. Uh, it was, it was torture and it was elation and emotions were more high and, and man, what a ser- what a wild card. What a two games. Like, holy shit. That was better than I ever could have imagined uh, a wild card series going like, that was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> we go up to Toronto, and I I feel like the narrative going in is like, oh, the Mariners are, are good. Like, you don't want to put it in the playoffs. Like, a lot of analysts, a lot of baseball people are like, no, nah, they're, they're built for the playoffs. And it's like, that's kind of true. And then, but I feel like the narrative amongst people is like, man, these, these fucking Blue Jays. These Blue Jays, they're so good, they can mash, and they certainly can. Um, but going into it, I knew this was going to be a fun couple games, because I don't really dislike the Blue Jays, to be honest with you. The only thing I really dislike is how many fans they always send down when they're in Seattle. Um, but even then, it's like, that's cool. Like a lot of people, 
in the west of Canada they get to go watch their team jet on down past the border to go to Seattle to watch the game. I, I like I like the blue I like the Blue Jays. I do not dislike the Blue Jays at all. Uh, and what a first game we had though. So Friday I was at work. Um, luckily my boss knows I'm a huge Mariners fan, so she was like, "Listen, you gotta obviously work, but." You can have the game up on the other screen. And I couldn't find a way to stream it at work well. So I just had to have the, the game cast. But I kind of I followed basically every pitch in the 4-0 victory. And that what a what a enjoyable like that maybe one of the best game probably the best game of the year. Maybe the next game. But just like there was it was the least stressful of all the playoff games for me just because we didn't give up any runs. Like it was fantastic. Luis Castillo was was amazing. Um the offense at least got it done a little bit, uh, and we we win our first playoff game in in twenty twenty one years, and crazy how much this means to the city of Seattle, to me, to all the fans. Um, the watch party in Seattle looked pretty amazing, looked pretty awesome, uh, and I wish I could have been up there to because I probably would have gone to at least one of the watch parties. It looked really fun, but. Uh, Luis Castillo. This is why we. This is why we got him. This is why we extended him. He was fantastic. The dump man continued his reign, and and that was that. Um, and we we win that game. And going into game two, it's like, man, are we really about to, really about to go, to the ALDS? Like wild card is the aspiration they had at the start of the year, and then I feel like as the year went on, as later in the year went on, it was like, oh man, I mean. You get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Look at the Phillies. Like, anything can happen. And then game two comes, and it's like, ah, jeez, okay. This is the Blue Jays we're more familiar with. Like, we're getting shit pumped. And this is the game on Saturday, right? So I'm at home. I can watch every moment of this game rather than the Friday game. If if the Friday game would have been way more enjoyable to watch. Until the end, obviously. Uh, But (laughs) I watched every moment in this game, and I... I was relatively quiet and calm on the outside watching this game. Like, I was obviously a nervous wreck on the inside. I was tweeting through it, as I always am, uh, at ChaosBall1977 on Twitter for um, a million tweets during Mariners games. Uh, But I was like, okay, well, this stinks. Because all I was thinking about was game three. And I was like, man, I don't want that. I have seen what elimination games can come down to. I I think it would it might kill me to be in an elimination game with the Seattle Mariners, and that's probably going to happen at some point in my life, and I might die. But I was watching the game, like everyone else, just kind of staring, and and the Mariners were just kept like clawing back, and I was just like, okay, that's more runs, that'll do it. Okay, keep going. Okay, the bases are loaded. The bases were loaded, and J.P. Crawford was at the plate. And I was like, oh, jeez, the bases are loaded. This is a kryptonite. We haven't hit with the bases loaded all year. It's always a double play. It's a pop-up. We get a barrel on it. goes straight to, like, the second baseman or something. Uh, but no, J.P., as everyone knows, the weak, the weak pop-up in no man's land in center that... Sends Bichette and Springer to collide into each other going for the ball. And all three runners score. 
And I didn't say a word. I didn't even celebrate. I was just sitting there and I, I thought I was having a fever dream or something. I was like, no, no fucking way we just tied this game. Holy, like, usually in these moments, I'm very hype. I get quite hype in my sports moments. Uh, baseball, basketball, soccer, what have you. Um, I will get quite hype. I I was I think part of it I was kind of sitting here alone like my girlfriend was here but um, mostly just watching it by my by myself and then on Twitter coping I, and I was just I was just silent for a long time and I think I didn't know how to react in the moment um, <laughs> it just kind of happened like. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of what happens, what happened with this Mariners team all year is they kind of just happen to you because they've had numerous comebacks this year where it's like, oh, okay. And they just won that game. Oh, oh, they, oh, they actually won. And this was, was the apex. This one is what the whole season was building to, I think, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and, and they won and they clinched an ALDS berth. And I think I shed a tear. I they were dancing in Toronto after let me just say I was I just said earlier in the show I don't dislike Toronto their fans were being obnoxious little little bitches during this whole series man and I'm so glad we beat them at home and danced on their graves at home I want to say that cuz that was excellent uh we clinch an ALDS berth and I'm speechless I can't I, this is better than I could have imagined going into the season I was particularly not super high on this team going into the year. I thought wildcard was the aspiration like everyone else, and I thought um, anything past that was was extra. Even wildcard was extra because I just, I don't know, I just I, I wasn't super high on this team. I obviously didn't factor in Cal Raleigh having the season he did, um, trading for Luis Castillo. I didn't think... Uh, I didn't think George Kirby would be this good this fast. I knew he'd be good, but this he was legitimately one of the better stars in the AL this year. Uh, I didn't think the bullpen would repeat last year's greatness, and they, they did, crazy enough. I didn't think we'd win as many one-run games. I was trying to be rational about the season without like knowing this team was special. And after this series, I think the world... Uh, the baseball world, and then uh, they we, they saw how special this team was, and I think part of that is the culture surrounding the team with the fans. Um, for all of the the flack that Scott Service will get, and we'll get into that a little bit for some of the ways he handles things. Um, I think at the end of the day, I you can't fake vibes, you know, good vibes only is what we've been saying all year because of Eugenio and we had good vibes last year before Eugenio we have a team identity we're very chaotic we play chaos ball and this year just kind of ramped up to where like we're an actually good baseball team but also it just seems like (laughs) the guys like playing together the guys love Scott Service and I, I like I don't think you can you can take that for granted I think there's a lot of good managers but I don't think there's many managers that can rally a clubhouse like Scott, can make guys believe in themselves like Scott, who can clearly unite a clubhouse around a common goal. Um, 
like this coaching staff has done all year. And it speaks to the players, it speaks to the management, it speaks to the coaching staff. Um, so after the series, it was great. The world was like, holy shit, the Mariners are here. Everyone watched this comeback happen. It was one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the playoffs. Um, and Mariners fans were like, yeah, baby, we've been doing this all fucking year. Like, this is what we do. This is what we do. You think you're safe. You're not. You think you're safe and you're not safe at all. Dumper's coming at you. Eugenio's coming at you. Slapdick's coming at you with one of the, I gotta say it, the most famous playoff double in Mariners history. I don't think there's ever been another double that's been this impactful to the Mariners' playoff success in the history of the Seattle Mariners besides Adam Frazier. Am I right, folks? <laughs> I can't believe it was Adam Frazier. That was... That <laughs> That was one of my, one of the things I actually screamed at. I was like, oh, it was Adam Frazier. I can't believe it was Adam Frazier. You got the winning run across the plate, man. I can't believe that. Uh, but, man, what a wild card series. Like, I, that was, that's the happiest I've ever been as a fan in so long. I'm sure all of you felt the same way. Like, it felt like a breath of fresh air. It felt like we're here. I feel like we lose this wildcard series and we're still feeling like we're a step off from the big competition, from the big guys. We're, we're not quite there. We're still the Mariners, even though we made the playoffs technically wildcard. We're not ready to compete, and clearly we are. Uh, and I'm glad the world got to see the best of us on display. They got to see not only our skill and talent, um, style of play, but how the fans rally around the team, how the team rallies around themselves. It's like dancing as an entire clubhouse in Toronto after coming back from seven runs down in a wildcard series to clinch the ALDS. Dancing in a big circle on their home field is who we are. That disrespectful, I fucking love that. And it's fun. Uh, and I think that's one of the things with this team is Scott and the coaching staff have emphasized you got to have fun out there if you want to win baseball games, man. You can't, like, just as a, a good example in recent baseball times, they, the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees don't have any fun. All of their front office has been there for, like, two decades or more. They're all old as fuck. They're all behind the times. They still don't let you have facial hair. They finally allowed mustaches, but they still don't let you have facial hair. It's like, oh, we're the Yankees. We're, we're whatever. Like, <laughs> and and look what happened. I, all time, Aaron Boone, bad manager, bad vibes guy. He's just a bad manager in general. I've said that for a long time. But, like, there's something about vibes. Look at the Phillies, man. They got great vibes. Fantastic vibes. You need these. I don't even think the Astros have very good vibes, to be honest with you. I just think they're a really, really good, well-run organization and good baseball team. But baseball especially, 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 especially come playoff time, vibes matter because uh, you get on a heater. Unfortunately, we did have to go play the Astros after this, which was mighty unfortunate because the Astros are so good. And, like, why? This is why I've been saying... Obviously, who knows what would have happened. This is what I've been saying all year is we can't, we can't get the second wildcard spot, man. The first wildcard spot was so important. Or the six was so important. 
because we would have played Toronto at home, hopefully won. Or we would have went and played the Guardians. I think we would have beat the Guardians. Then we could have played the Yankees. And we could have seen the Astros in the ALCS and still lost like this. Very possible, very likely, honestly, if we beat the Yankees. And we would have beat the Yankees. Terrible vibes. Not a very good baseball team. <sighs> but... So we go to the Astros, and I'm just I'm not feeling good going into the Astros series like at all. Obviously, I hate the Astros. I just know how good they are, and I feel like silently they've been the best team in baseball all year. And we just finally started realizing it like the last month, and they kind of equal us out in every aspect. Like their pitching is just as good, better than ours. Their bullpen is just as good, honestly, better than ours. Those are our two biggest strengths. They have very solid defense, um, and then there's they're a way better offensive team. The lineup is relentless. The lineup is way better than us, and they just kind of equal us out and then exceed us in every aspect, essentially, except for vibes. I'll say that, except for vibes and, and, and jerseys and colors because we're way better than that, and cheating. We haven't cheated. We haven't had a big cheating scandal like they have. And, I mean, obviously, y'all know what happened. We lost this series. Some stuff happened. Jordan really fucked us over. Um, there was a lot of talk and slander against Robbie Ray, which some of it definitely deserved. Some of it is you got to kind of be informed as a fan these days where um, I think I've said it on the podcast and I wish I started this podcast before the year because when we signed Robbie Ray... I knew there was going to be this expectation of he's a Cy Young winner, you know? He's got the pedigree. He's going to be our ace. And I was hypingly signed him because it was like, we're committed to this team. We're committed to spending money on good players. And I think Robbie Ray is a good pitcher. He's not like the Cy Young year was, is not an anomaly. It was just, he got a little lucky and had a crazy year. And I just think, I didn't think he'd produce again like that, especially the underlying numbers and sabermetrics and peripheral peripheral numbers just did not back up his raw stats as much last year. And I think everyone saw that who takes stats into account when looking at baseball. But um, and you don't have to do that. It was just there's and, – and the expectation was he's a Cy Young winner. And, like, he had a good year. Now, obviously, nowhere close to his Cy Young year, but it's like you got to recognize, man, that was – like Rick Porcello won a Cy Young not too long ago. You know, you sign Rick Porcello after that to a big deal. Oh, you're signing the Cy Young winner. It's like, yeah, I mean, there's just more to go into evaluating a player than he won the Cy Young. I mean, he had a fantastic season. It was just, yeah. I will touch. I will talk about, because there's slander about Scott's service. And I got into it a little bit on Twitter. And I, I really try not to get into arguments like this. Um, and it usually just ends in agreeing to disagree, but... A lot of people came out of the woodwork and were like, I've been saying it all year. One, I haven't heard shit about Scott Service's game management all year. Uh, so y'all can fuck out of here with that one. He, he, they did this, and, and people came out of the woodwork. Rightfully so. There's criticism to be had here. But they came out of the woodwork and were like, listen, I've been saying all year. I've been saying for years we got to get rid of this guy. He doesn't know how to manage a bullpen. He doesn't, know how to manage a, like, he doesn't know how to manage the pitchers well at all. A lot of things can be said for managing a pitcher. One, I think Scott, as a manager, is pretty decent at managing a good bullpen and pitchers. You don't win this many one-run games by getting lucky. You win some of them 
for sure, some of them by getting lucky. But you don't win you don't win this many one run and close games by mismanaging a bullpen. Like I think he's fine at managing a bullpen. I think there's decisions that certainly are questionable. There's decisions I wouldn't have made. Um, but it's also not only down to him. Those decisions uh, are with the whole coaching staff and Jerry DePoto in the front office. They make those decisions themselves. They Everyone makes those decisions. It's not just Scott. The frustrating thing with the Robbie Ray situation, um, if you don't know, you obviously should know, but, you know, Robbie Ray came in and, and gave up that dinger to to Jordan. Um, one, if, if if Robbie Ray comes in and and throws Jordan eight straight sliders away and Jordan strikes out, are we calling Scott a genius for that? Or are we still saying it was a bad movie, shouldn't have brought him in? Because uh, I think bringing him in wasn't the best move, obviously. I think there were better moves to do there. But also, you bring in Robbie Ray, who's a good pitcher. Uh, and he gives up a meatball to one of their best hitters. It's just an unfortunate situation. I think things could have been different. But Robbie Ray could have come in and struck out Yodon, for all we know. Um, the thing about it was he has been destroyed by the Astros this year, and he's been cursed by the long ball a little bit this year. So it was like, it was like putting him in was like, oh, he's going to not do any of the things he's been doing all year. And suppose he's in different, but unfortunately that happened. And that just took the air out of the entire series. After that, felt hopeless because all three of those games – all three of those games were winnable. That was the tough part about that series. Um, but back into the Scott situation. You know, there's be a lot of talk about that. But we're going to move on. Not to dwell on it. Scott's a good manager. A lot of slander about him. But Scott is a good manager. And Robbie Ray is a good pitcher. He won a Cy Young. He had a fantastic year. But he's not like a guy who's going to be a perennial Cy Young winner. And we knew that signing him. And he's just a good pitcher. If he's our fourth starter, that's fantastic. Like If he's the number four guy in, 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 the, in the rotation, that is a good fourth starter. And I'll probably recap the pitcher stats in a podcast in the offseason. But like he's a good starting pitcher. He's just not like he's not like Luis Castillo. He's not like the automatic ace for your squad. Um, and I didn't expect him to be coming into the year. Uh, but it was uh, the tough part about that. The last thing I'll say about the Robbie Ray or Don home run is that it was a premeditated decision. Uh, it came out, I think Ryan Divish or Daniel Kramer or Shannon Dreyer, one of them had it, all of them had it probably. Uh, before the game, Jerry Poto, the front office, all the coaches pitching, uh, and, and Scott obviously talked about bringing Robbie Ray in a situation like this. And like, really? Like I get, I get it's the playoffs, and I get like I understand bringing Robbie Ray in in a situation like this and premeditating that, right? Like hypothetically, but in the moment, I think <laughs> I think you gotta read the situation differently. It's the playoffs, which means you throw whatever you can at it. But I think you you gotta read the moment differently, man. I think. I think Robbie Ray was trotting in there and everyone's like, okay, the game's over. And look what happened. Like, 
(sighs) That was the frustrating part to me, is that it was premeditated and they didn't deviate from that decision at all. Where it's like in the playoffs, you can have game plans. Sometimes you got to throw all that shit out. Especially when you play, you know, let's look at an 18-inning game, for example. (laughs) Like, uh, moving on to that game. Jesus. Jesus. So we lost the second game. We lost the third game. We got swept by the Astros. The brutal part is the 18-inning game. I can't... uh, God, it was torture. Every inning was torture. It... I... I, I commend all of you who went to that game because it was torture in more ways than one for all of you. Uh, the crowd was buzzing, first of all. Um, made me very emotional to see a packed, sold-out crowd at home in Seattle for a playoff game. That was awesome. Um, something we shouldn't take for granted. If you're at that game, never take that for granted. You're at you're at history. as the drought-breaking home first home playoff game. What a fan, like fantastic uh, but what torture you, you got put through? It's only fitting that you go there. You there's listen. I'm sure most of you were hammered. Uh, and then by the seventh inning, it's like oh, okay, beer sales are off. You get your last beer. You hold it. You know you last until the ninth. And then you gotta sit there for another nine innings, uh, sobering up while your team isn't winning, while every chance is getting squandered. Uh, and there's no food either. So hopefully you had some snacks and like some water or something. Because that is so, so brutal for all of you that were at that game. That is so tough, man. And credit to Luis Garcia. And like that is, I think that is the difference between this Astros and Mariners team. I think it was close for a reason. I don't think we're that far off from the Astros uh, quality and baseball wise. But they bring Luis Garcia, who's a former starter, in from the bullpen. He's fantastic, and he pitches how many innings? Like seven? He pitched almost a whole game in the extras. Lights out. Absolutely lights out. And obviously the hitters were really tired and stuff, but he was so good. And, like, the Astros brought him in as a luxury, essentially. Like, every other pitcher was done. Let's just bring in this dude who's going to spin a gem for us until we win the game in the 18th inning. And what a gut-wrenching loss. But almost fitting. Uh that Felix Hernandez throws out the first pitch in that game and they go 18 innings of scoreless baseball and lose. Like it's almost, you can't script it to be more on the nose than that. Another thing that made me super emotional was Felix Hernandez throwing out the first pitch. I think everyone kind of knew that was going to happen, but it wasn't confirmed obviously until he showed up on the field. Uh, The tribute video was awesome. Seeing him back in Seattle in front of a playoff sold out crowd uh, literally made me cry. I'm th- I'm emotional thinking about it right now. He is my all-time favorite Mariner, uh, favorite baseball player to watch ever. Um, listen, Julio might take that mantle from him, but I don't think so. It's goes back to my childhood, and, and I was at his perfect game with my oldest brother. Uh, and the only really games I ever went to as a kid, because the Mariners were so bad, was Felix Hernandez games. Um, and seeing him there was awesome. Um, well deserved for him that he, he was there and it was amazing. Um, and then we went on to get tortured, but for 18 innings. So very, very appropriate, I would say. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a while. The Mariners, this Mariners team, I feel like is kind of like you're playing a game of Monopoly. Now bear with me. This analogy might go on for way too long. Uh, but the Mariners is like you're playing a game of Monopoly here, right? 
sometimes like like you get properties of monopoly if you're not familiar with how monopoly works each player rolls dice they go around the board you buy properties you can build up the properties it's just capitalism essentially boiled down to a board game um and the mariners have some good properties they have some well-built properties on their team man like julio's like park place with hotels you land on that fifteen hundred dollars you're bankrupt it's over like uh eugenio eugenio's like the reds with like a bunch of houses on it you know not the not the most high-end properties but they're gonna consistently make you money you know i think I think uh, uh, what else? Thai France, I feel like is is the railroads. Not a whole lot of investment is needed, but if you get all four, they'll consistently make you money. Not always. You'll go like people will go around the board not landing on them for a while, but like you buy four railroads for four hundred bucks, you get two hundred when someone lands on it. All you need is someone to land on that twice, and you get your investment back. Uh, and and the Astros were playing us in Monopoly this series and uh, avoided almost all of our properties. Um, and in that 18-inning game, they kept going around the board, avoiding every one of our properties. Um, but what I like to think about it and what I notice from this game, and this team sometimes this year, is when this offense shuts down, it shuts down, man. It's like we go straight to jail. It's like, then we get out of jail, we have like a hit or a double, or a guy in scoring position, and then we we land on a chance card, go straight to jail again, and it's over. Don't pass go, don't collect $200, like, because sometimes with this team, this Monopoly-ass team this year, it's like, man, the offense, listen, the offense is fine, it's not that good, uh, but like, at least you're going to round the board and pass go for $200. Like sometimes we'll get a run here and there, even if the offense isn't playing super well, but sometimes like this game, I can tell every at bat where nothing's going to happen, even from our best guys, where it's like we go up there and it's, and it's just terrible at bat after terrible at bat, go straight to jail, get out of jail. Julio hits a single, uh, uh, double play by Ty France straight to jail again. That's what we were in, in that fucking Astros game, man. It was so bad demoralizing because every time we got to the plate it was like yeah i know one swing of that can can end things but it just didn't feel like that was going to happen it just felt like and i and a team for a team that loves a comeback sometimes you know it's not going to happen like the blue jays comeback the offense was at least like the bats were good they were fighting at the plate they were making pretty good contact with the ball this astros game Nothing, nothing, none of that was happening. They were doing legitimately nothing. Terrible at bat after terrible at bat. And that's my monopoly analogy for the Mariners. I think it's pretty good. I'll be honest. I mean, I could, I could go on and on about who, who might be community chest, um, what the bullpen is. Uh, but uh, we were sent to jail by the Astros. Um, and the Astros is like the, the older brother who, should beat you in Monopoly every time and maybe also is the banker who's taking some money when you're not looking. Um, but wh- whatever, whatever. So we lose to the Astros, playoffs over. Um, something I've never experienced in my life is playoff sadness, where we're out of the playoffs. It's like, oh man, this is weird. We were once in the playoffs and now we're not. Uh, I've taken these couple weeks, I've digested it. 
I've mourned, I've grieved, I've went through the stages of grief, and now I'm back, and I'm in good spirits. Um, it, it was just such a good season, capped off by just a frustrating series against the Astros. What made it worse for me is that the games were so winnable against the Astros. Like it'd be one thing if if we just got swept and it was like, okay, we were never winning these games. Um, but every game we could have won, every game could have went our way. It was just a couple things and the Astros outlasting us with just better talent sometimes uh, that beat us. And it was like, man, every game was winnable. And that I think makes it that much more painful where it's like, we, we could have done it. We could have been there. We could have been playing this sorry ass Yankees team in the ALCS and who knows what could have happened. Um, but uh, that's not what happened and that's okay. Because I don't think anyone expects us to go to the LCS or the World Series. Just once you make the playoffs, you kind of like in the back of your mind are like, man, it could happen. It could happen. It's baseball. Uh, because as as like I mentioned before, we're seeing with the Phillies, like the Phillies came to the playoffs hot on an absolute heater and they've rode that out to the World Series. And I really hope they win. But it's like, that's what happens in baseball sometimes, man. Look at those Royals in 2015. Like... Teams just get hot and they don't stop in the playoffs sometimes. Like the first Giants, like the 2010 Giants World Series, right? I think they're a wild card team. It was like they they're the team. Team of Destiny. They're hot. They they went on a bender and they won. And that can happen sometimes. Uh and that could have happened to us, but it didn't, and that's that's fine. Um overall the season was a rousing success. Like this is the best season I've ever seen from a Mar- as a Mariners fan. Uh, exceeded my expectations of quality of of joy. Um, the wildcard series is amazing. Even watching them play in the ALDS on national television in mid October was a treat for them to be even be in the playoffs. Uh, but now is when it starts. Now is the contention window. Is now, baby. We go into the offseason at a pivotal point in the team. We got to build off of this uh, and we got to keep going because the core is there. The young core is there on this team and we have the right veterans currently on the squad to get it done in the next couple of years. But the young core is, is there and you need to capitalize on this and spend money. Like Kirby, Gilbert, Julio, Cal, uh, and then like we just re-signed Luis Castillo, who's the front end starter. They're your first. They're your one, two, three. You got Robbie Ray at the four. You have a starting catcher who had a coming out party this year at the plate and behind the plate. One of the better defensive catchers in the league this year. You have a generational superstar in center field who you locked up for seven years at the least, maybe fourteen. And you got you still have a couple guys coming coming down the pipe here, but this is it. This is the time to spend. This is the time to spend all of your money. I'm not spending any of the money, so 
as a totally not impartial fan, I want them to go bankrupt trying to win this team. Like, it's it's owners. People who are like, oh, we don't have the money to spend that. Like, I want the team to invest in guys they can afford and get the maximum value out of that. And it's like, that's cool. It's baseball. There's no cap. The owners are billionaires. Spend as much money as possible to win this team World Series. I do not care. About making a profit, they'll make a they'll make a profit. I guarantee you. If like if if owners have somehow convinced the vast majority of this country that they can't make a profit if they spend a lot on the team, it's like that. It's just not true, man. Um, but <sighs> the vibes are good going in the off season, and the vibes will be good heading into next season because this was a fantastic season. Put us on the national baseball map, I think. Uh, I think it's a unique situation as the Seattle Mariners because it's not like we're a premier destination for free agents, but we we have a history of getting good good guys. Um, and I think I think Jerry has talked about this. Some of the players have talked about this. Scott's talked about this. They've seen how committed we are to the team. They've seen how the committed the fans are to the team. They've seen how much the team and the players itself rally around each other. I think that makes it that much more attractive for a free agent. Where it's like, maybe they'd rather go play in LA. And that's fine. Maybe they'd rather play in New York. That's okay. Maybe Boston. Um, you know? But Seattle clearly is a destination. We can't convince ourselves it's like we're a middle of the road market in like a rainy city in the Northwest and no one wants to come here. Clearly, we are an attractive destination for free agents. And I think there's a couple out there this off season that Jerry will need to sign. You know, there's a couple in particular where he's going to have to throw the kitchen sink at him to just get one of them. And that's fine at this point because we need there's holes in this team there's plenty of holes to fill um and for a relatively weak free agent class uh you're gonna need to outbid a lot of other teams for some of these top guys there's top to bottom the talent is not amazing um but there's also trades to be had there's a lot of stuff that can happen in this offseason that doesn't need to be just signing for agents um, but if anything has taught us, like if the team has taught us anything this year, it's that one, they can develop top talent in the minor leagues. Two, they can continue your growth at the major league level. And three, the vibes are fantastic in the clubhouse. It's a great place to be. It's a great city to play sports in. The fans love it. The coach is good. The organization is clearly on the right track and running themselves well as compared to the past 15 years. When the Jerry DePoto reign took over, it was like, oh, we're going to take a step back. And everyone's like, oh, man, what the hell? We had a pretty good team, a couple more pieces, and maybe we could contend in, like, 2018. I was one of the people that thought that. But also, they've taken the step back and done it the right way, and now we're reaping the benefits. And we might be reaping the benefits for another decade, potentially. Uh, because uh, clearly the, the team can develop talent now which honestly they've never been able to truly develop amazing talent i think um 
not top to bottom like they have the past few years where it's like you can the real ones that stand out to me is like how what they've done with the bullpen and the pitching arms like obviously Julio is like you got to develop him obviously but <laughs> but some guys are destined to be superstars in the league and Julio's one of them like Cal Raleigh what a fantastic job they've done with him he's become a top defensive catcher in terms of arm uh, arm strength, pop time, good framing, and then he—they taught him how to hit. Basically, they—they they basically changed his hitting this season, and it worked. And it's just—it's a joy to see. It's a joy to see. Um, but before before I sign off here, um, I want to be thankful for all of you who follow me on Twitter, who listen to this podcast. Um, before I get into the last thoughts here just it's been fantastic to start this this year and there will be off-season content and then obviously going into next season I've got a lot of things planned to do um, regarding this podcast and uh, the Seattle Mariners in general but um, I want to thank you all for listening this far Uh, just a couple more things to get to apparently Julio broke his finger in the ALDS he like broke his left pinky in game three, which uh, kind of stinks, obviously, but he should be back by spring training. Um, Jesse Winker, they don't know when he's going to be back. He had knee surgery and neck surgery, apparently. Um, I don't know how they deal with it in the offseason, but I'm not going to talk about it, that right now. Um, Cal Raleigh was named as a Gold Glove finalist. Julio and Cal were named as Silver Slugger finalists. Uh, that's really cool. Um, some other injury stuff, Cal Raleigh on the topic of him, he tore GCL and left thumb, um, expected to be back by spring training. He's just probably gonna have surgery. Uh, we kind of knew that we saw him like the brace he was wearing in the whole playoffs, toughed it out, uh, good on him, but hopefully just get him right. Um, Andres Munoz is going, uh, to have foot surgery. He's had lingering foot issues apparently, but he'll be back by spring training. Sam Haggerty is the tough one. Uh, where he, he hurt his left groin. They don't know when he's going to be back. Groin, finicky, that old groin muscle. Um, Ryan Barucki as well as well is one of the guys um, kind of uh, in the background of things, but he has a strained forearm. He's probably going to be back by spring training too. Um, Tom Murphy should be back in next year at some point. Same with Casey Sadler for guys who didn't play at all this year. The two guys who... Um, who will be good to have back. Casey Sadler was a fantastic reliever for us last year before getting hurt. And then we came back this year and had a fantastic bullpen year. So getting him back, and if he is any anything like he was when he was healthy for us in 2021, it'll be a plus. He was like, he had the, what, like the 30 scoreless inning streak or something. But that's cool. We'll see him back. And Tom Murphy as well. I... I think backup catcher was one they struggled with a little bit this year. Like they traded for Kurt Casale. They have Terenz and like, uh, and like a couple other guys, but I think backup catcher is one they struggle with. And I think Tom Murphy would be a perfect backup. Uh, he knows the pitchers. He's a pretty good defensive catcher. He can definitely be at the plate and swing a bat. Um, but he'll be very good to get back. I think another veteran guy has been with the team a little bit longer than other te- other guys as well. So, that is just a little injury update going into the off season. Um, I thought it was interesting that, 
that Julio broke his pinky sliding in second base. Like, good Lord. Um, and then I didn't know Jesse Winker had knee problem. I knew his neck was a thing. That's why he wasn't on the postseason roster. He was like neck surgery. And I thought that might've just been like a fake, like we don't want you on the postseason roster. We're going to make up an injury, but apparently it's not like, I trust Jared Poto and Scott. They said, um, they were real injuries. He was dealing with them for a little bit. Um, his knee and his neck. So hopefully he gets better. Um, comes in the next season refreshed and uh, mental health wise, physic physicality wise, just get it right this off season. And it's not like we're rooting against him. Um, just a weird situation that we're in with him, but he, he'll be on the spring training roster. I mean, no doubt about that. We'll just have to see what happens. Um, but that is about it for this podcast. A little wrap up for the season. What a season we had. What a season filled with joy good baseball, um, and just the start of things, really. Um, we'll get to see what they do this offseason, but the guys we know who are going to be on the team next year are pretty pretty damn good. Um, a lot of the bullpen guys are locked up, like I said. like Ty France will be on the team next year. Julio will be on the team next year. Eugenio, uh, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty, Cal Raleigh, and then like Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray. Like that is a good, that's one of the better, we'll have probably the best team we've had next year going into a season on paper. I think we'll probably be projected to, I think a lot of people will have us winning the AL West, even though the Astros will still be good. Um, but it would be interesting to see. And there will be off-season stuff I will do. I'll probably talk about free agents. I might go into some of the stats um, of our best players this year. Um, I've got a lot of ideas, but um, definitely there will be some off-season pods, especially if we sign someone, we make a decision. I'll probably take a look at the free agent class, then figure out what I might think is best for the team. Uh, but yeah, appreciate y'all listening. Make sure to, to rate and review. Recommend your friends. Um, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter at chaosball1977 for some more stuff and content coming down the pipe in the off season. Um, and I really appreciate y'all listening this far and appreciate the support for the show in any way that you choose to, to show it. So um, with that said, Go Mariners and um, spend some some money this off season, baby. <laughs>